Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass grizzly strength coach from Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Let it be known that he says that as I wear a pink and blue uh, fuzzy cotton tie-dye hoodie. With a grizzly beard. Yes. I'm the perfect blend of teddy bear and grizzly bear. Uh, Is that how you add value? Let's let's say care bear and grizzly bear. What about a share bear? Stop. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about (laughs) adding value Um, as a professional on a performance team um, to your athletes in general. Um, how can you add value? How can you find ways or niches to add value to the performance team rather than what I see a lot is coming in and wanting to do your own thing or wanting to significantly change or make an impact. And like, as, as long as those are all great ambitions, they're not specifically the best role all the time for everyone. Right. I think about it like, um, like a basketball team is a good example, right? Yeah, You want to be one of the five positions. You don't want to be all five positions, yeah. <laughs> right? right. And, and, and that's where you need to find out how you can add value to the team without taking away others' value. Because yeah. I feel like people that, like myself included, because I wear so many hats, I feel like you have to be the one that can do it all. When in reality, in a properly operating team, like a, like a UFCPI type situation, or places that can have all of those roles, you should just be really good at your niche and and see that should be the value you add instead of trying to take away from somebody else's niche. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like again, this is going to hit real close to home for you, Austin, because oh yeah, because you do so many roles and you, and you fill so many gaps um, in the role that you're in. But it's exhausting. It's exhausting, and you talked about not devaluing everybody else's uh, like addition or value, but let's talk about not diminishing your own value or not diminishing your own offerings to the table, right? Because I think we've both been to a place where we're spread way too thin. And then even if I am a rock star strength and conditioning coach, my strength and conditioning coaching goes to shit because I'm sleeping four hours and I'm trying to have a hand in every single pot that I can rather than like optimize. Right. Well, And I've actually, I've seen that a little bit with the strength coach and the rehab side. I've had some guys get done with their fights and they have injuries, but they still want to continue to train. And I only get an hour with every person because I need to move on to the next person, move on to the next person. So I need to pair in manual therapy for the most part to decrease some of the symptoms they're feeling rehab and decent strength and conditioning all into an hour, right? Something has to give. And I've, I've run into that the reality that I need to have somebody else so I could have two people at once to be able to continue that track with as many people as I work with now. You couldn't schedule somebody for two hours. So you think that would be, that's just not much? cost. No, well, it's, it's how I got to take home money at the end of the day. Oh it's, yeah. yeah. It, let's no, let's, let's, let's venture down this <laughs> finance course because it's uh, I feel like we both have had pretty crash course introductions into the business side of, of this industry and like how to make it feasible. Right. And it's where, where I sit, um, you can either be a, I guess, not a generalist or a specialist, but a work with the majority of people or work with a select few, if you're going to get into MMA, because you have to have a certain cost price point, right? Yeah. Um, so there's me and, and not that I'm cheap by any means, but a good example down here in Scottsdale is NeuroForce One, which is a gym. Yeah. Um, up in Scott in the same town as me and myself and, the uh, 
the comparisons between like Neuroforce has a very, very high price point, but they have so many different things at their disposal. They can offer that price point and work with two or three athletes and everybody can get paid. Right. Or there's the other side of the spectrum where you want to try to help as many people as possible, but the only way that becomes cost efficient for your time is to let not everybody can pay that price point is that you layer three or four people together in a row, or you have certain hours for certain athletes and you work with probably four or five times the amount, but at price points that are available for everybody. Yeah. You create groups, you know, yeah. for lack, for lack of better terms. And like, you can individualize to an extent within the groups, but like, yeah, I feel like you can, you can do a little bit of both as far as um, you would just have to really strictly kind of delineate the services that you're providing. Right. You know, sure. X guy is going to pay two times what you pay, but he's also getting one-on-one attention, testing this assessment, that blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And then like, you're going to pay half of that. Sure. But you're also going to have to work out with three or four different people and get a limited set of time. Like I was, I, I feel like the more and more we like foray into the financial side or the, the business side, quote unquote, like it's more the same, the more communication becomes paramount importance. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, and having, getting more comfortable having those like conversation around finances and then, um, and it's hard, again, hard to do this in the beginning is like, say no to somebody like, you know, it's like, (laughs) I I need you as a client, need more people in my clinic, but also am I just putting more, more, more time into work for not enough financial stability? Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's what you run into, right? It's, yeah. it's a never ending. Think of it this way. There's always going to be more. Once you are good with one person, there's always going to be more fighters that want to work with you. Yeah. But how much is too much if you don't bring on help? If you don't have somebody like that as a land out with, as you see yeah, with your yeah. guys' team, like you're, you're able to have a bunch of people there at a time. Cause you have three or four coaches working with the team. Right. And I think about it as well. Like you can, you almost have to like force yourself to get uncomfortable with your price point and with your, with the ability to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's really hard because again, we want to, we're out in this endeavor to help as many people achieve their dreams as possible and enhance their performance. But at the same time, like um, there comes like a cost to optimizing your schedule for sure. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, it's funny. Like I, I never thought that I was going to be the one that's had a hard time saying no. I, mm-hmm. I can say no relatively easy to most people right. and that's fine. And then I found myself in a situation where it wasn't just no for my sake. Like it's no, because you want to be able to help everybody. It's because yeah. you care so much about the people in front of you that you just can't say no. And then and it I ends up it, making, it ends up making you spread yourself too thin. And then you become a little bit unhappy sometimes. And at the end of the day, like back to value, you're devaluing yourself, right? Yeah. You're not putting yourself at the right price point. You're not, um, you're devaluing your self-care, which eventually devalues the surface, the service that you give to the people mm-hmm. that you are having in front of you. And it's kind of that, that, that negative downward spiral where it's like, I can't take care of myself. I can't do a good job. I get less clients because I'm not doing a good job. Um, so there for I more so can't take my care of myself. Right. Exactly. It's like a, it's like a, a feedback loop or positive feedback loop that goes into negative a negative point. direction. Yeah. So yeah. I think adequately valuing um, your skill sets and then being super self-aware about them can have a lot of, of positive impacts as far as like what you're bringing to the table or when you join this performance team or when you're working amongst individuals that is inevitable in the fight game. Yeah. 
Yeah. And coming in as a specialist too, I feel like is a, is a good thing. If you can get into a place like the PI or get into a place like, um, like a Sanford MMA and being able to try to like work in the system a little bit more, like take the yeah. UFC PI internship, that'll help you along the way of knowing, knowing how to a market yourself. Cause you've worked with some of the best athletes in the world, but B understand where you are in a performance team and a performance setting. And then what you add to it. Well, yeah. And I mean, I don't know, this may come out, come across as vain or anything, but like, let's just go through me as an example. Like, cause that's exactly what I did when I came on to the Landau staff, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I came on as a performance coach and I wasn't there to, you know, steal any tricks, steal anybody's clients or whatever. I was genuinely there to train mixed martial artists and get my foot in the door with factory X and get back to this passion that I love that I've, I'd recognize that, you know, I love my high school football players, but that doesn't fill my cup like training MMA athletes, mm-hmm. you know, because that is ingrained in me. That's part of my life. So, um, so again, worked at the PI, came into Landau and I applied for the job, had a few recommendations, which again, I, you cannot undervalue connections and um, the networking that it takes to get you into a conversation mm-hmm. uh, in my field. Like I feel as though when I came into Landau, it took like me moving a mountain to like ask xyz for recommendations for um votes of confidence for everything like this but like that's probably just a a a normal requirement right it's not like it's Mm -hmm. actually moving a mountain anyway i get onto the performance team which the performance team at Lando, like they typically only hire through their internship like which is a model that a lot of uh performance uh businesses have adopted like i think it it started with like mike boyle strength and conditioning cressy like all those guys and like it's a good model for sure. Because yeah. um, you, you, it's like a three or four month interview process and you know you're, you're getting with your... It's the most scalable. But anyway, I did not come through that system. I came on straight as a performance coach, not an intern. So right away, it was immediately like, prove yourself or get the fuck out, right? So I, I came in and I had all these ideas and there was a couple of times where I like overstepped and I tried to, again, do what I was saying earlier is like change the whole system because I was new and I, I knew that I had this certain skill set and value. But there was other times that I completely recognized like how I needed to play a role in the performance team and really nail that role first. And then ultimately we can get to the end goal of what I think is best or what um, we can collectively put our brains together and make the best. So uh, one quote I kept going back to is like, is this the best for the athletes? You know, is this the best Mm -hmm. thing I could possibly think of for the athletes? And I would push that in our team meetings. I would push four team meetings to try and triangulate this with our other coaches or, or more solidify my role and how can I help? So communication, creating those meetings, um, really having the athletes benefit and service like at your end goal are I think ways that you can put through your filter to add value to the team as far as not just trying to do whatever the fuck you want to do for lack of a better term. Well, and that's, that's cool because that's in what can you add to the team yeah. for every single piece of like every single teammate, you can be a bet. You could always put the athlete first, right? Yeah. Every single teammate, that should be the goal. So if you work on that, no matter what the role, it's going to be able to probably propel the athlete forward, which is why you're coming to the performance team in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, w- I will say it takes a, some experience and some emotional intelligence to have those conversations, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I've been involved in internship processes and I've known a lot of young strength coaches that just aren't in a great place to receive feedback of, no, that's not a good idea. Or, um, or we're not going to take that right now. It's, it's a good idea for you, but that doesn't fit within our system. And like, 
the perspective that you need to accept that I think is huge because especially early on in my career, I'd like bring a, a idea to the group and it's like, no, we're not going to go that way. And then all of a sudden, like they hate me, you know, I could yeah. not be stupider, right? Or like that you internalize. I remember that. one, you told me one. Oh, please, please <laughs> embarrass me in front of. Oh, no, no, no. I don't remember the details, but I think it was, I don't remember which internship it was, but okay. you, had, you had suggested something and it just did not go your way. <laughs> I, th- I think you said, I think it was something like they made you feel dumb back. And I just remember getting a text in all caps. What the fuck? And then <laughs> called me and you told me exactly what happened. It was crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, like going, put yourself out there to deliver the idea to um, try and change the system, I think is a good step in itself. Like it shows ambition. It shows that you're critically thinking of how can I add to the team? But I think you also have to go in with an even mindset of, yeah, this might not actually be the best. And if they, if the rest of the team comes to a consensus of we're not going to take this idea, we're not going to adopt it. You have to be okay with that. Yeah. You got to be okay being wrong and, <laughs> and be okay. Like under, like not just be okay being wrong, but be, be okay with people you telling you that you were wrong. That's the hardest part Yeah, is you, you probably know in your own heart that you were wrong, but it's the other people telling you you were wrong that makes you feel like almost inferior, you know. And and then the ultra competitive, you know, characteristic comes out in me. It's like, no, motherfucker, I wasn't wrong. Yep. But I exactly. have to bide my time. But I have exactly. to bide my time, right? And I think that's a huge dose of like ego swallowing and understanding positions uh, of adding values. Like, okay, this isn't a great fit for the team right now in the dynamics that we have but I still believe heavily in this concept and want to bring it to the table. Eventually, you know, maybe that's when I become, I have more uh, like stake in the relationships or maybe that's when we need a new kick in the ass and this idea can come to fruition. Maybe it's just the wrong timing too. I think that's a, a hugely validated concept. And so adding value to the team doesn't have to mean immediate change. And I feel like when we get new blood or we get fresh blood as as healthcare practitioners or, or physicians on the team or another strength coach in addition to the staff. Um, we feel like we have to make an influence and make waves right away when not necessarily true. Right. You could be the guy in the back. Uh, what's, what's the saying? First seek to listen, then t- uh, seek to understand. Yeah. Before you speak. I don't remember. Yeah. So understand the whole yeah. system. And then, so I guess, one of the key points in that is like awareness, right? Your awareness of the performance team, your awareness of what's going on within the team, and then your own awareness of like, what skills do I have and how can I genuinely drive good change in this group? And now how can I just go ahead? I was going to say, that's the hardest one is actually knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are, because you don't really, you always kind of think and people tell you, but you don't actually truly know until you kind of like feel that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I don't know. That would, that's probably one of the hardest ones I've seen is for pe- for, I guess, a strength coach or as a healthcare practitioner to know what your actual strengths and weaknesses are, because there's so many people, I like think a hospital setting, mm-hmm. there's so many people in that area. You got to know what your strengths and weaknesses are to a T to be able to move forward in a yeah. critical situation. So Austin, let's uh, bring it down to like a personal level. Like what are your specific avenues to add value to your fight ready team, to your athletes when you're working with head coaches and um, other strength conditioning coaches? How do you bring the value in a way that uplifts everybody else instead of a way that detracts? Um, I, I'm very good. One of my strengths and knowing my strengths is I'm very good at helping people believe in themselves. Okay. Typically, 
I mean, most of my athletes have said that like they, for whatever reason, I make them feel more comfortable and they can just kind of do their thing better. That's, that's something that's that awesome. I, yeah, that's, that's something that I value. And that's an add on that I can add to a team because I, like I can increase athletes confidence Yeah, um, say in, in any capacity. Like yeah. there's so much value in that. Um, the other thing is that I can combine, I'm very good at combining to a common language. I can take medical yeah. terms and break them down to layman's terms really easy because I think more like a fighter than a doctor. Right. And that helps most of my most situations, both with the fighters and any athlete, but also the coaching staff, because we can all speak the same language for a pretty complex situation. Amen. And I think like, I think technically too, like you are a doctor, right? You can yeah. diagnose, treat, I'm you a, know, I mean, I'm a PCP down here in Arizona. A hundred percent. Like that is a unique and technical skill set that you bring to a team that like as much as everybody else wants to think they can do, they cannot. Yeah. Right. Or they don't have that background and information because um, I don't know. I see a lot too. Like I want to diagnose this thing and like maybe even me personally, but like I don't have that skill set, you know? So yeah. um, I think that's another way that, that, that you can add value into that team. Um, but no, I think you're hitting from all cylinders. Like you add confidence to your athletes and then you can speak a common language, which is ironically like one of my biggest skill sets is I, I've almost become like a, like a, a factory X Landau, like liaison yeah. where yeah. You're I'm the, like, you're I'm, the perfect middleman. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm at the team practices. I know what's going on from the athletes fronts. I'm at the sport coach meetings to understand what's the entire vision of the team. I'm at all the strength and conditioning coach meetings and sessions. So I know what, you know, physiological training effects we're going after. I know from that end I can, and then the best part of all that. And like I said, the liaison part is like, I'm communicating with every single individual within those loops, right. Mm -hmm. As best I can, or as, as meaningfully as I can, like I'm going to relate or uh, relay what's practice looking like, what's the head coach's agenda for that week to the strength and condition coaches. So we know a little bit more of the context of when the athletes are walking in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to relate the strength and conditioning phase that we're in to the athletes that want to find meaning in it, right? The athletes that that want to like, why am I doing this vertical jump or that med ball toss when this guy over here is lifting 400 pounds. Like what is going on? Right. So it's like, how can I add value by giving context in every single one of those scenarios? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's really where I've, I've, I've found my skill set or a way to add value is to be the glue, right. That, that keeps the, everybody together. It's the best part, right. Yes. Yeah. You, you can be the guy that you don't have to be the guy, but you can help at, you can have enough impact on everybody mm-hmm. that you're just the glue in the middle that kind of just helps everything stay together. Yeah. And I think that that's complimented uh, some of my other strengths and some of my other ways that value as far as like forming a relationship with athletes and, and other coaches too. like just forming relationships has been a huge growth that I've talked about on the podcast recently. Like oh. that complements the liaison skill set, And then um, I have a huge sports specific knowledge set when it comes to grappling and MMA. Like right. that, it's irrefutable, you know, and like, and then how does that transfer into strength and conditioning, which I have a hugely technical skill set in that, like I, I have a lot of background knowledge and how do you execute different methodologies? So compounding on those. And I think something you underestimate is your understanding of anatomy as well, that that plays into a great factor for both of those, because then you can compare the sports specific traits with the technical traits and put it into, into a potential sport situation too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and then you and even then my mind goes like, okay, and then I can relate to the athlete why we're doing this anatomical thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That makes complete sense to me. But um I forget where I was going now. So thanks for interrupting me so rudely. Sorry, also. I was trying to talk cool thing. <laughs> I was trying to be nice to you. It was it was a very kind thing. I was complimenting say, you. So, so that doesn't happen often, folks. I'm glad that we got it recorded. <laughs> But compounding those skill sets and bringing them together, I think is huge in a way that it doesn't, again, step on anybody else's toes in the performance matrix. And again, we're all coaches. We all have egos. Is Coaching is a hugely ego-based field. But when you know your skill set and you use that to complement somebody else's skill set, that's like the ultimate, like, fuck yeah, man. Like, you're my guy right? I'm no longer like trying to be top dog, which I feel like in strength and conditioning, especially, I mean, in MMA too, like there's a constant battle for, I'm going to be the top guy. I'm going to be the best guy. I want to be the head coach. I want to be, you know, the number one fighter. Like, and there there's like a health, a lot of healthy competition in that, but you can also detract from quote unquote teammates when you do that. And and you take away from the, as soon as you do that, you aren't focused on the athlete anymore. You're focused on yourself. A hundred percent, which again is a, is a hugely fine line and finicky line because we've talked before about how we sympathize and we can relate to the athletes because I'm on my journey to be my best. Yeah. They're on their journey to be their best. And so where's the mixing of the two ideologies of like, be the best team player and also achieve your own personal goals, Yeah, which is a hard conversation to have a hard value to take. But I think there's, there's obviously a way to healthily do it. Like I could name. 10 people right off the top of my head right now that do that. Yeah. Like if you think about your fight team, Kelly, how many of, explain that to me. Okay. Because it seems, I don't know, maybe it's just off social media, but it seems like he has that perfect balance where he, he can just go over to Europe for a month because most of his business is online and he makes most of his money from his books and and speaking engagements. And then he kind of goes back and he still has that uh, that killer instinct in the clinical side of things where he can focus yeah. purely on that clinic as well. So he's got that balance between the two. Yeah. Okay. I see that. But like, I think of like, even on like my factory X team, like this guy's a killer when he's in camp and he's trying to win his own fight by every means necessary. Yeah. But then like the second his training partner gets a fight, he's asking, how can I emulate his opponent? Like, what's the idea there? Like True. I see it in, in that realm as well. Cause like, again, you're after your personal glory and your personal legacy, hundred percent. Like me as a strength coach, like I want to be the best MMA strength coach that there's ever been hundred percent. So how can I do that while also operating within my performance team at Landau? True. Right. Cause yeah, you don't want to step on toes hundred percent. You don't, and you don't want to like shit talk people. You don't want to, um, again, like well, you, it's let your ego shit talking over. people to their face, just don't oh, well. do it behind their back. Hundred percent, yeah. Oh my god, the shit talk in uh, in MMA is ripe. Yeah, so it's true. Okay, and it doesn't just happen with a microphone in front of people's faces. How do you think those people get so good at it? Is there every day with their fucking teammates, man? <laughs> yes. I was about to say something mean, but I'm going to keep that to myself. I was about to shit talk. <laughs> Hopefully, me. Hopefully, you're going to shit talk me, not somebody else. No, no, it was going to be somebody else. God. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's a way to add value is, is like controlling your ego and using it into a positive light. Like I had kind of a, a reflection of that. Like I've been focused on Atlanta being like such a team player and it, it's gained me a ton of benefits that like, I almost had to like reawaken like a killer instinct in myself of like, right. no, these are fucking phenomenal ideas. Let's take them to the table. True. True. It's got to be forceful. Say it with a scowl. With some finesse. 
forceful with some finesse. Finessefully forceful. I don't like alliterations. I love or, alliteration. It's my favorite puns. literary element. Or puns. Well, poo on you. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how else are we adding value? Um, um, obviously, humor. Team. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it's a huge way to relate to athletes. I'm not gonna. It's true. It's true. Okay. I'm totally fine being the butt of every single joke, and that adds a lot. And yeah, um, one of the biggest things I've found recently again is like the emotional intelligence piece is like so mm-hmm. huge. You know, humor is a part of that. Like, I have an athlete who's had to sit out sparring the last two weeks, and he's got a fight in six weeks, and like. You think that doesn't weigh heavy on him, right? You don't think yeah. he, like he's having a hard time in his own mental, but like if I come up and I can joke or start his day a little different, you know, yeah. that could change the course of, of uh, his, his thought pattern. So changes um, week. Yeah. hundred percent, man. It's like, and then like all of a sudden he's got a little more chipper attitude and then all of a sudden he finds a way to add value from himself or into himself. And like, yeah, comes full circle with the value. Oh, that's that's another one for something I add. And I know you add as well. And I'll add a lot of good people at their role should add is at genuinely caring about the athlete, not just their yeah. performance. That's true. <laughs> Asking how's your day going to know, <laughs> like to know how he feels to focus on him. Yeah. Like just generally checking in with your athletes, every, but say every single person should be doing it. Not enough coaches do. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I wish I would have gotten into a lot of the more like emotional intelligence and um, like personality trait type of thought pathways. Like, I don't want to even say like knowledge or skill set. Like, I, w- I want to say observations and, and again, thought yeah. patterns because body language. Yeah. Cause you're not like, you're not technically trained in that. And I think if you are technically trained in that, you still have to be able to apply it seamlessly. Yeah, you still have to care. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's a it's a hard skill set to to acquire, but it's so valuable and like it's almost like one of the most important coaching. Like yep. if you think about like quote unquote a coach, right? One of the must haves for them is to kind of is to be charismatic yep. and to le- to get others to want them to lead. Be a leader of men. Right, like and in some cases, you know, cases that we constantly complain about that charisma and that emotional intelligence is the only skill keeping somebody in a position. Oh yeah. You know, Joel right. Austin, talking about you. <laughs> I wasn't going to throw shade, but, um, and then we can talk about like the technical skills and how that doesn't make sense. Right. Like, so I don't know. We're talking about adding value. How do we get here? I don't know. We just go on tangents sometimes. So, so awareness is key. It's Your huge. hoodie looks like a Cubs hoodie. Oh, uh, cause it's a little red and blue. Yeah. That would be dope. It's been throwing me off this whole time because the white in the middle kind of looks like the MLB logo. Nice. I just want you to know that because there's a little break in the action. Perfect. Perfect. Um, What are what are some other skill sets that people can bring to the table? Like other than what we've mentioned for ourselves, um, what are other ways that people need to add value? But in case they're searching for it themselves, they're like, okay, I've acknowledged that I'm in this performance team, but I don't specifically know my own skill set. What are some other ways that people add value in in your performance teams, Austin? Well, I one thing I feel like is undervalued in almost every single team in general, not just a strength conditioning team, is the integrators, Uh, the the people that organize, the people that can keep the schedule and, and do the dirty work and do the scheduling and like the accounting and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think the most underrated part of a team because they don't get the spotlight. They're not, it's yeah, the Steve, it's not the Steve the Wozniak to Steve jobs. 
Yeah, it's the behind the scenes. So identifying if that is your role, are you an integrator? Are are you the person that you might not be in the spotlight, but you're getting the shit done? You got to know that about yourself. And I feel like too many people don't appreciate that about themselves. They try so hard. They want to be the Steve Jobs so hard or so much that they don't just embrace the Steve Wozniak. And then I think the the other people in the performance team don't value that either. True. Right. Because it's not not in the forefront. And like, so therefore, like nobody else is giving you value. So why would you value it yourself? Right. Like uh, there's a book that I read that I really liked. I actually read it before we opened up our business together was the, it's called rocket fuel. I don't remember the author, but it's a business book. And it was just because I've never been in a partnership before. It's always just been me. So I wanted to know what were, and one of the roles they had, and it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, one person, a hundred percent, the other, but you, you should have elements of each within you. And just knowing your role as a visionary and an integrator. And it's cool to see in mine and Alex's relationship and our business is like, it flows back and forth sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes you come to me with an idea and you go on your ideas and I don't have to pull you back, but I have to kind of organize stuff a little bit. Right. And then I have all these fucking crazy ideas mm-hmm. all the time. I, I think I just bring up like 10 different business ideas to Alex a month. I think the most, one of the most quoted questions I put to Austin is like, Okay. How are we going to do that? Yeah, exactly. I just, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to start a streaming platform. Alex, how are we going to do that? I don't fucking know yet. I want to build a fighter NFT. I did say that. How are we going to do that? I did say that. Be on the lookout. Q3 2022. Um, But how are we going to do that? I'm learning how to chain on the block or uh, how to code on the blockchain. So that's how we're going to do that. All right. There you go. Um, Along the same line and the same veins of that, I feel like an analyst is yeah. hugely undervalued in the performance team. Like uh, you, you're bringing up the accounting and the logistical things like an analyst, as far as like exercise science analysts, performance stats, um, like record keeping and like a genuinely uh, or a person that genuinely understands like the performance of the athletes from the number standpoint, like um, nerd. Yeah. A n- <laughs> nerd, if you will. Right. Like <laughs> you took that so serious. <laughs> then you caught what I said. <laughs> yep. Yep. You, you are correct. The nerd, <laughs> the nerd, but, but you need them because, and I've played that role before too. And I'm like, I, I got nothing against uh, the nerd on any team. Like you, you, you need it. Right. Like I need somebody that knows everyone's style on the team. I need somebody that, that knows everybody's output averages. I need somebody that knows like what his last uh, force output on the isometric mid-thigh pole was, or at least has access to that information on a spreadsheet somewhere in La La Land. Yeah. How to turn, how to know how to turn the on and off switch on if the computer's not working. Fuck, somebody yeah. like, like that. Yeah. And like, and I don't know, as I, I think about that, more, no laugh, like, not even a, not even a pity laugh. That was a great joke. No, no. Um, but as I think about more and more, like you play every single one of these roles when you're the only guy, when you're the setup guy. So yeah. um, eventually, be a yeah, right. Eventually you want to be able to specialize and that's kind of where things take off. Yeah. That's well, that's where you can grow. That's where you can actually focus on why you got into whatever field it is in the first place is yeah. when you found somebody that can do the things you're bad at. As soon as you find <laughs> that, you can highlight your strengths all day and you just keep growing and growing and growing. And then it's their strength. And then it's the positive feedback loop to counter my earlier point about the negative spiral. It's the mm-hmm. positive up and up, up, up where you're doing what you're great at. You're complimenting your partner who's doing what they're great at. Who's complimenting the athlete who's doing what they're great at. 
and then winning championships. And then you come back to the drawing board and it's like, how can I get better at what I'm already great at? And then we step up to the next level and we step up to the next level and we win more championships and we get more people in the championships. And then blah, 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 blah. You just described the New England Patriots to a T. (laughs) What's wrong with their model? Exactly. It's funny Eight, because, because it's exactly what they did. 10 years or whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's, so. it happens in every say it was the, the bulls with Michael Jordan. Like it's, it's all of the greats. They follow that exact positive feedback loop. Well, and one actually that reminds me of a book we should put on our book club podcast is Jim Collins. Good to great. Ooh, Talks about one. putting the right people on the bus. Yep. You know, you can't have one person that's trying to move the bus in reverse so that one person is trying to move the bus in reverse or get you to take a left when the best route is clearly right mm-hmm. fuck yep. so um so maybe we'll add that one to book club here coming up shortly but um which is a role in itself trying like, to get me to read oh man at least once a month i gotta get you to, and austin hasn't read any books outside of his uh doctorate degree so we got to get him back i have two the- I read all the Harry Potters. Worst. Um, <laughs> that's a skill in itself. A way to add value is like to be good at the delegation, to be the quarterback, you know? So good delegator. Yeah. Be delegator, a politician. Put, the, put the people in the right places. Yep. Exactly. Get the job done. Bingo. That's Any other roles you wish to flesh out Austin? No, I don't think so. How about you? Mm, I feel like that's a, a, something that we can write an article on or like role, like EQ roles, infographic. like EQ roles in the performance team, if yeah. you will. You know, like I, I immediately kind of think of Brett Bartholomew's uh, like archetypes of yeah. athletes. And then just so. go down in like a spiral like this. And they're all little like ovular. All right, cool. So since you have the idea on that, you're going to be the integrator and create it, right? <gasps> I had the idea. Yes. I'm the visionary teamwork. Boom, boom, boom. But Austin doesn't want more on his plate to do, but I'm giving him homework. You heard it for your first y'all. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, I think you'll bit me in the ass again. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, it did. Um, but I feel like that's what we got to talk about as far as adding value to your performance team, helping your athletes achieve higher states by being aware, knowing your role and knowing how to best optimize the system that you're in, right? We've talked a ton about creating a system and having a system. There's a little podcast on how to optimize that system or how to make it run better. Um, damn, look at this guy pulling it full circle. No, right? Hey, that was pretty damn good. Hey, I'm getting, getting good at this whole I'm getting good at this whole podcasting thing. But um yeah, we're building a fighter and we have online programs, we have avenues to create this system or we have are about to have our online courses building a fighter level 1 which going is going to teach you how to be a part of this performance team and how to analyze your unique attributes to add to the team and it's going to teach you what are the roles of everybody else on the team so that you're more aware and can rely on everybody as we, as general practitioners never like to do, we can rely on our teammates to effectively and efficiently do their job. So be on the lookout for that, spreading the interdisciplinary knowledge with our level one. Um, Of course, contact us if you have further questions about sports performance programs we have on tap, health and wellness, um, coaching, Anything that we talk about or hit on our podcast or related to sport performance and MMA, we're the go-to resource. So with that being said, my name is Alex Friedman. Dr. Austin Shane. And we are out. out.